looking to start a podcast but don't know where to begin? Look no further. The team at Dodge Media Productions has 20 years of experience as podcast listeners and observing the industry and eight years experience in podcast production. We can help you take your podcast from idea to fruition and we'll make the process seamless and easy. We'll help you with everything from recording and editing to hitting the charts on Apple Podcasts. So what are you waiting for? Contact us today and let's get started. DodgeMediaProductions.com. You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts, so this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking. Welcome back, everybody, to the Dodge Movie Podcast. This is episode 159, and we are going to talk about one of our favorites, When Harry Met Sally. It is directed by Rob Reiner, as we know from Spinal Tap that we spoke about, Earlier this year, The Sure Thing, Stand By Me, Misery, A Few Good Men, and The American President. It stars Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan, Carrie Fisher, Bruno Kirby, and a very young Stephen Ford, son of President Gerald Ford. The DP is Barry Sonnefeld, who did has some good credits under his belt. In 87, he did Racing Arizona and Throw Mama from the Train. And then the next year, he did Big. In 90, he did Misery that was also directed by Rob. He brought us the Adams Family, Get Shorty, Men in Black, and Wild Wild West, and then an 06 RV. So quite oeuvre, as you would say. Yes, and the giant spider in the third act he got to film. <laughs> yeah. Which one was that? Wild Wild West, Oh, Wild Wild West. Yeah. From that story. Look up probably Kevin Smith and Giant Spider in the third act. Yes. You'll get the, the details on that one. And I have a t-shirt for it. <laughs> when Harry Met Sally came out in 89 and it was filmed in and around Chicago, New York, New Jersey, Hollywood. And the diner scene does, it's supposed to be in Cat's Deli, but um, in IMDb trivia, it's credited as Wilmington, California. Is so, that a set? I yeah, can't believe they'd have a, a New York. Yeah, because in Delhi and Cali. Exactly. In the New York Deli, in the actual New York Deli, if you go to Cat's Deli, ab- above the booth is a sign that says this is the yeah. booth from. And I now that I say that, IMDb is wrong because Rob called up his mom and said, do you want to come down? We have a part for you. And it was sweet. Such a mom answer. Yeah, I'll get to spend the day with my son, have a hot dog. Sure, I'll be happy to do it. <laughs> So apparently the fact checking at IMDb is by the lowest bidder. Right. And now we know why Dax has Monica on Armchair Expert. <laughs> exactly. Got to make sure you get those facts right. The synopsis for this film is <laughs> Harry and Sally have known each other for years are, and are very good friends, but they fear sex would ruin their friendship. The tagline for this film, I believe, yeah, I think there's just, oh no, there's three. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with someone you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. That's a line of dialogue, and that's a fantastic line of dialogue. It's a fantastic line of dialogue, but I don't think it's a good tagline. No, but it's such a great line of dialogue. Can two friends sleep together and still love each other in the morning? I oh, think that's okay. Good. Yeah, that's better. Never thought of a tagline as a question, but I wonder yeah. if they often are. I, I don't think so, but they could be. And the third one is, can men and women be friends, or does sex always get in the way? Uh, it's too antiseptic. The previous one is better. Yeah, I agree. So let's see. There's some trivia I'm going to scan because I looked up this trivia a couple weeks ago, so I might go off. But first of all, the title. What do you think of the title of the film? Not the very best. 
So it's funny you say that because Rob didn't like it either. He absolutely hated it and had a contest that who whoever could come up with a better one on set, like cast and crew would get a, an um, iPad a case. No, I think this was pre iPad, a case of champagne. Okay. That's, I don't and know. I wish I could remember some of the ones that in the um, interview I saw, he threw out Nora didn't like the title either. I'm trying to think, Oh, I'm sorry, folks. I haven't been sleeping well in like two months and my memory is apparently the first to go. <laughs> segments, the segments with the married couples in between the film are couples telling stories of how they met. They're real stories, but Rob hired actors to. Okay. I wanted to talk about this. Can yeah. we talk about this now? Yeah. 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 Okay. So I, I, I was going to ask that question because they're shot and the acting is fantastic because it feels like an interview of actual couples. And I was going to say, how do you have couples to say thing that fits so well with the plot of your film? And the answer is apparently they interviewed a bunch of people, combed through it for lines that they liked and then shot them. Yes. What I love though is those couples, what very well casted. So kudos yes. to the casting oh, gosh, and yeah. Rob probably direction because the, like the women would sometimes step on, step in and tell the story. And that's right. such a couple thing. And it's, I don't think it's gender based. I think, Oftentimes there's one person who feels they know the yeah, story better than the better other. Than you. <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoyed that. The scenes where Sally is being a picky eater is from Nora. She would do that. Oh, wow. And Rob has been at enough restaurants with her that he put it in the movie. And he says, <sighs> the thing is, Nora knows better than the chef how the thing will taste better. Huh. And so he says, because she would order things in a certain way. And at first they started making fun of her, but I think she was like, no, taste this. And they were like, oh yeah, I guess you're right. That's fascinating. I'll dig into that a little bit more, but first of all, I want to say that doesn't surprise me because the one quote I remember from Nora Ephron, even though I like her movies, is she says something about that you shouldn't eat like the last meal of your life because you probably won't enjoy that one. So you eat every meal. Like it's the last it's one. Like it's the last. Because when you get to the actual last one, you probably won't enjoy it. She And the other thing she said, were you going to say this? No, go ahead. Oh, people who don't f immediately oh, think right. yes. about what they're going to eat at the next meal upon finishing the current meal, she does not want to be friends with. Yeah, I read that and I was like, oh, this is why I like Nora. I know. However, I, I want to come back to the nose better than the chef. Now, certainly at a diner, I, I, I think that might be up for discussion. But I would be very interesting to, you know, what would Carmi say about that? Uh, yeah, or many, many other Millis because remember I Michelin saw star chefs. Recently I was watching this silly show, but Gordon Ramsay was on it. So Gordon Ramsay says that whenever he serves his mother, the first thing she does is grab the salt and salts the food without even tasting it. And he finds that offensive. He's got multiple Michelin stars and she doesn't think he knows how to season his food. Right. When Nora was on the plane once, she was ordering in that certain way. And the stewardess says, have you ever seen the movie When Harry Met Sally? Oh, that is precious. I love that. <laughs> so I want to say, uh, th there's uh, then the character of Sally says, I just want it the way I want it. And Harry says, I know, high maintenance. <laughs> and I have to say, all apologies to Nora, that would irritate me. The way that she, is it the time? Do you feel like it's Yeah, it's like, let's, let's move it along here. It's not efficient. Yeah. If you want that specific, make it yourself. Like we're, we're just at a diner. 
order your, your pastrami sandwich and let's move on. So Nora supplied the structure of the film with much of the dialogue based on the real life friendship between Rob and Billy. And Rob was, this is a very sweet, I think one interview I saw with him, he was going through a bad breakup. So like all of his films were very inspired by his life. Spinal Tap, he, you know, that's just what him and his friends would kind of sit around and do. And so, and then the sure thing is when he was falling in love with his wife, I don't know if stand by me necessarily, but when Harry met Sally, he was going through a horrible divorce. And so he was just like, no, um, sex always gets in the way. Okay. Uh, You can't, you can't be friends with the person that you are attracted to was his theory. And it's very sweet. The movie had a much different ending. Sally and Harry did not end up together in the original, but right about the time they were editing the end of the film, he met his now wife that he's been married to this whole time. And so he changed the ending showing that they can. Well, that makes the movie better. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I think if if they hadn't ended up together, this movie would not have played well. No, I think actually they did test it and and people got upset about that. They didn't end up together. The scene in where they're all four on the telephone and Bruno Kirby's character and Carrie Fisher's character are in bed together. And then Sally and, Harry are in bed together. It's the morning after, I think. I think so. Or. I think it's possible that or, Harry and no, Sally are in different are not, locations. Yes, yes. Thank you. You're correct. They are, they are not in the same location. He basically has just left her apartment. And I think he calls uh, Bruno's character on the, on like a cell phone. And then Sally calls um, Harry Fisher's character. And that took 60 takes to nail because they rigged up phones. So they would all be on the same phone together because of the timing needed for that scene to work. And it took 60 times. Yeah, I still think they could have saved time if they'd done a little different setup, right? No. And I was watching, watching May, December. It's on Netflix right now with Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. Right. And Natalie is playing an actress and there's a scene near the end of the film where she has been monitoring Julianne Moore's character, like observing her. And now she's on set and she's portraying her. And so they have her deliver a line to the actor. And then the director says, okay, back to one, which means for everyone in the room, all of the crew, we're going to do it again. Go to the first position. Right. So they do it a second time. And then he goes, okay, I think we got it. That's good. And Natalie goes, no, can I please do it one more time? Um, I'm really starting to get into her essence. Right. So they do it again. And it's only the third time I've heard this line. Right. I'm annoyed. (laughs) And and I've been on sets where sometimes it does take four or five and different things are happening. Like on a couple takes, the director wants a new take, then... Maybe the the actor wants a new take. Maybe there's a technical issue. So you need a a fourth or fifth. Right. By 10, you definitely as a crew member, you know, like the boom guy, his arms are getting tired and he's just like, can't you guys figure this out? Right. I can't even fathom what it was like to be on that set with 60 takes. So in my mind, I immediately leapt to Rob was playing a prank on Billy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, because I guess it was funny. They did an interview. It was Rob, Billy, and, and uh, Meg. 
And she was like, take 47. We almost had it. But then Bruno, Bruno hung up his phone too early or something like. Right. And so then they had to keep doing it. This is fascinating. Okay. Maybe it is absolutely critical to the film. The film just wouldn't work without that one little bit. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like that almost sounds like I'm playing with the studio's money and I'm just being a bit of a diva. Because like I said, from my perspective, easiest, simplest thing to do is shoot each of them individually, right? And then just in edit, you you splice it together with the timing that you need. But if you remember in that scene, I think Rob wanted, the, the yes, you're right, that could be done, but you would have to cut between each person to hide when you needed to make an edit. And in that yeah. scene, all four of them are on the screen the whole time. Right. So in order for that to happen, you have to do it seamlessly in one take. Okay, Billy and Meg are in different rooms anyway. So you record, you record Bruno and Carrie on the phone, okay, uh-huh. with perhaps even Billy and Meg off screen reading their lines, right? That happens all the time. Actors read for each other. Yeah. And, and then you capture that audio and then you go to where Billy and you play the audio and he does this. I think it could be done. That's all I'm saying is. I dare I think, you to try. Oh, I, I okay then. <laughs> no, I just. I, I don't think Rob would have done it that way if there was another way to do it. I think in order for the comic timing, because at one point they talk on top of each other. Yeah. I don't think, how would you hide I, any edit? Well, I'm saying, but they're already split screen. They're not all four in the same bed. No, but there it's a continuous shot. You would see a cut. No. Okay. I don't want to, this is like a visual thing. Our podcast audience can't see me waving my hand. <laughs> okay. I think it can all be right. done. But we'll anyway. 60 takes is outrageous. I will agree with you there. And okay, just an interjection. Um, when you write a film and then you go through the rehearsals and you go through filming, even before you get to the edit, you, you can often be sick of the dialogue. Yeah. But imagine 60 takes is like when edit where you watch it over and over again and then you get incredibly sick of the dialogue. And I don't know whether to be impressed or mortified that he did 60 takes. <laughs> Kick us off with your pickup line. What is the pickup line for this film? I was sitting with my friend Arthur Kornblum in a restaurant. It was a Horn and Hardart cafeteria. It's one of the couples. Arthur Kornblum sounds Jewish name. And I think that was one of the, the first couples, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're sitting there on the love seat, which is appropriate. And it was done in kind of the style of a documentary, right? Yes. Those, those interviews. Yes. And then it's an, a beautiful bookend at the end when... Sally and Harry are sitting on the same yeah. love seat telling their story. Good direction, Mr. Reiner. Yep. Yep. We get a male gaze. And I wanted to, that kind of segues in a little bit into Harry is not a very likable character. Not initially. Right. Does he get redeemed throughout? He, he, he does get a little bit. So Sally, she's eccentric. Yeah. Like her, her, her character is fine. She's just a little irritating, a little picky and high maintenance. And she doesn't change throughout the film. That part of her. The eccentricities, that's fine. But Harry is kind of a bit of a scumbag. And so when he is, this, when this happens, she is figuring the bill at the diner. It was like the first stop that they made. And we, we know as the audience, he has a girlfriend. And he's looking at her in a very adoring way. And he says, you know, you're very attractive. And she gets horribly uh, right. insulted. You're, you're dating my friend. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I, I think we we have evidence from human history that humans 
look at each other all the time and often look at each other in that kind of way. And probably a lot of human conflict comes from that. So, but he, his character comes across not as a, uh, wow, I just noticed, you know, despite all of the high maintenance part, like you're very attractive. It comes off very like a pickup line. Mm-hmm. And then we, as the audience think, well, this guy is like, we, we just a few minutes ago, but even in their time, just a few hours ago, he was kissing this girl from goodbye. And this is one of his girlfriend's friends. And he's immediately trying to pick up on her. And he has these lines, which by the way, if his character is based on Rob, I hope Rob has kind of grown out of this too, but <laughs> he, he very much views the interaction between women, men and women entirely based on sex. You can obviously see that. That is the only dimension that that character thinks of. And I think, especially with a romantic comedy audience, that does not play, that doesn't come across very sympathetic. Right, right. And so 11 minutes in, he decides that men and women can't be friends. He puts forth his theory of... the the thesis of the film. mm -hmm, Because he says sex always gets in the way. Right. And then I think shortly after that, Harry and Jess, played by Bruno Kirby, are at the Giants game. Oh. And it's a great scene. That is so funny. I I made a note of that. Credit to Reiner that you're having this serious conversation about getting a divorce while at the game, and then they do the wave in the middle of the conversation. It's (laughs) just so so funny. Especially Billy's energy level in the wave. So they both participate in it, but because they're having this serious conversation... It's more of a distraction. Right. So I think it's so funny that they don't just sit there and continue their conversation. Right. Or, or Is give that because a fully. Giants fan would maybe yell at them and go they, like, why aren't you participating? New York, they'd probably get beat up. But, but nor did they really get into the wave. So it wasn't like um, they put the conversation aside and they gave the hearty wave. It was just this desultory, like, I'm barely Going participating. Yeah, it was so funny. It, yeah, and it ha- it comes around like three or four times. So at yeah. very Simpsons level, like, I mean, that feels like a classic Rob. Right. A la and, Spinal Tap kind of thing. And, and perhaps there's a, a, a basis in comedy outside of the wave of that, but it just is so funny. Uh, it, like, it's a great scene. Yeah. All right. What do you have either in cinematography or like character development that we talked about? It is interesting that you talked about the character of Harry was built a little bit on, on Rob because we, I think we see some of Billy Crystal's comedy in there. And when he's talking to uh, Sally about one boyfriend, Sheldon, and I thought it was funny, Sheldon, the wonder schlong, right? And that, that just sounds to me like something that Billy would have ad-libbed, right? And we see that the, the, the character, I like the the way we as the audience, even though I've already seen the film, and mm-hmm. I know, I know the ending, the two of them are set up, and then in the beginning, and we, we want them to get together. Yeah, very But they much. don't, so we follow, and it, you know, it's five years at a time, and then they each get into another relationship, and in some sense, they, they kind of go apart, and then they come back together. So there's that, it sets up this tension throughout the film, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Of will, will they or will won't they? Or won't they? And then, brilliant writing, Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher's characters do get together after the hideous that's, blind double date. That's so funny. Each Harry and Sally want to um, connect their friends to each other. Right. And so Carrie Fisher's character is supposed to be dating Harry. Harry yeah. And then uh, Jess is supposed to be. In, and it's so funny at the end when they both are basically asking 
I'm not really digging Harry, but I'm digging Jess. Would you be okay if I went for him? And they both get permission and then Carrie and Bruno like run for the taxi. To the taxi together. (laughs) See you later. Yeah, that was really, but, but see, that's a a foreshadowing that shows us, right? That basically they're left, Harry and Sally are left there by themselves. Right. So we, we see that. And, and I think we kind of see a little bit of Harry not being quite as much of, of a jerk, but credit to Rob and Nora and the rest of the cast and crew, they really do kind of still leave him a little bit as that. And this is where I think if Rob was identifying a little bit with that character, and we've, we've talked about this before, kind of with the Larry David, right? This kind of grumpy Gus. Well, he had just gone through a divorce. Like he was yeah. bitter and angry. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. It's interesting that you said 89 because I would have said 94. I would have said mid-90s. I think you're getting it confused with Sleepless in yeah. Seattle. I'm, I, I, but just time-wise in my mind, right? But yeah, I, that's why I was saying that. Sleepless, Rob is actually in it and he's helping Tom, who is widowed, not divorced, but get back in the game, you know? So there's a certain amount of that that's going on there. Written by Nora also. So the right. voice, I think, is what you're probably picking up on why. Right. And also a Meg and Ryan joint. Is in both. This film is is a little different in that mm-hmm. there's more of a connection between the two of them. But then, like I said, that tension. They did such a great job about setting up, even though Harry is a bit of a jerk and she's eccentric. And in some sense, it's the old, are they fighting? But they do fight. Their meet cute is not so cute. They're angry. But once we've got the two of them connected, when you pull them apart, it sets up this narrative tension that has to be resolved. And like we were just talking about, if the film did not have them get back together, I think it would have not been nearly as good a film because it wouldn't have resolved. And you can, that's a story you can tell Mm -hmm. and unresolved. But in this case, I think it has to, it's like a rubber band. It just has to come back to shape. Yeah. And (laughs) the infamous diner scene that we spoke of earlier. So almost word for word, when Rob tells the story, it happened (laughs) <laughs> he was talking, I think, to Nora. I, I believe he was talking to Nora about, you know, this whole thing about how sex gets in the way and right. different things. The fact that guys lay there after sex thinking, you know, how long do I need to cuddle? When is it rude to, like, cut bait and leave? And it, he wanted the the feminine side of that. And so he asked Nora, and she said, well women fake orgasm and he and he like almost word for word says exactly what harry says no i would know nobody's ever faked it with me that's what rob like those words are rob's words this is not so good for rob (laughs) the story doesn't but because it gets worse um so rob couldn't believe this so he went running around the production office asking all of the women Oh, yeah, that could. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was doing his own uh, research, uh, but I don't think you can do that today. <laughs> well, tell you what. And the uh, ladies were all very willing to tell him, oh, yeah, I have. And he was just like, no way. <laughs> and so that, that's where the diner scene came from, like, like true reality. So then what's funny is Meg said, oh, well, I should fake an orgasm to prove to him. And then Billy said, it's got to be in a very public place. Yeah. So like, I mean, this is what fun, you know, collaboration, the the collaboration of all these. 
So I guess they get on set. And now, you know, like it was a great idea when they were back in the right. writer's room. And now Meg's got to do this. In front of, yeah. In front the, of, yeah, casting all, crew. All the extras. A, a full diner. Yeah. yeah. Rob's mom. <laughs> <laughs> As so, the day her daughter was visiting, per, take your kid to work day. Yeah. So as Rob tells the story, she did it, but it was a little tepid, he said. Right. Yeah. And so he's like, no, Meg, for this to really work, you've got to sell it. You've got to yeah. go there. So she does it like, I think at least one, she maybe two more times. Yeah. And she ramped it up a little bit. Not really. So I wish I could remember the person that Billy said, I'll look it up just for your entertainment uh, and I'll put it in the show notes. But so Rob sits down and he goes, I don't like to give line reads. Yeah. That's what it's called when the director tells the actor what to say. And most actors, they're very kind because I've seen interviews where they go, no, it's okay if the director, if you know. But most actors, I think, in their quiet moments when they're with their other actor friends, they hate it when because it's right. insulting. I, I can see it. Right. It's like, you've hired me. Let me do my job. You can give me motivation. You can give me tone. Like you uh, Say it a little angrier, but let them say it, right? Okay. However, As a director. On the other side. Yeah. When they, when they suggest changes to the story or adding lines of dialogue, it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Let me do my job. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, so, so Rob gives her a line, so line read. He, no, he sits down and shows her the intensity and the volume that he wants okay. the scene to I think, be. Actually, I think that's fine. That's fair because it, she, she, they weren't communicating. So he's he saying, had to show her. Well, yeah, now he doesn't have to do the whole scene, but at least right. to show her, this is where so I want you to go. Billy's sitting there. And the thing I feel bad about the audience that I cannot share with them, Billy goes, I felt like I was on a date with, and he says a name that I've never heard before. And in any of the Q and A's that he said this, everybody laughs. Like, so I know it's okay. a good joke. So I will look it up. I'll put it Thank in the you. show note. And, <laughs> and then Rob realizes as he's doing this, I'm having an orgasm in front of my mother. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So then Meg does it. Right. Billy, it was Billy's idea for Rob's mom yeah. to say, I'll have what she's having. Great line. And Rob is so tickled that when you go to AFI's top 100 quotes, there is Estelle Reiner amongst, you know, yes. like Marlon Brando. Uh -huh. yeah. And and if I know, recall correctly, she doesn't have a long history of acting. No, no. She, he said, would you just come down to yeah. deliver this yeah. one line? That's kind of like my baseball career. I'm batting a thousand for my entire <laughs> career. I had one at bat. I, I put one into a right field and uh, called it a day for my career in baseball. So she had the one, made it the AFI top 100 quotes and pieced right out. <laughs> the The thing that, that makes that work is, is kind of like what Billy was saying is because it's in a public place, right? Yeah. And even the knowing state. how famous that scene is, like, the moment they're in that diner, I know it's coming and yeah. I'm waiting for it. It is still awkward. It's right? so awkward. And the one thing, though, huge credit to Billy Crystal, because a la Silent Bob, I, I oh, was yeah. because I think I knew what was happening. And you know, I've seen this scene so many times. It was almost like I chose to look at something I never really looked at before. And so I'm like, I'm going to watch Billy this whole time yeah. when they cut to him. Uh -huh. And I pointed it out to you when we were watching. And I was just like, because at first he showed, it's, it's almost like another gag we know about the right. different stages of something. But it was like, <laughs> at first he's confused because he's just like taken aback. Like, what is she, what's happening? What, why is she making these noises? And, and then he's like confused or more confusion right. and concern. 
And he goes, are you okay? Right. And then all of a sudden, it there's this on look him. on his face <laughs> where he knows, oh my gosh, I know what she's doing. And he kind of is annoyed by it. Well, like, you would be. But at first. You're making a scene. But I think even just like, oh, you can't just argue with me. You've got to yeah. show me. Like there's right. just almost like yeah. an annoyance that you can't just be an adult and have a conversation. You've got to do this display. And then embarrassment sets in. So like these stages right. of emotion right. are all done without dialogue. Yes. And just with facial expressions. And now we feel his sense of annoyance, his sense of embarrassment, right. his sense of, I cannot believe how far you are taking this. Like she could have cut it as soon as yeah. he rolled his eyes. Like, okay, point made. Right, exactly. Yeah. But she doesn't. She, she goes to completion. completion. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which commitment to the joke. I think all the comedians admire that, right? Yeah, you could have stopped at 96 bottles of beer on the wall, but you went all the way. Uh yeah, so I will have to include that because I do use Emma Thompson's silent reaction in Love Actually as an example of acting, right? We often think of delivering lines, mm-hmm. and we even talked about line read. The director does it the way he wants it done, mm-hmm. but acting is much more than that, mm-hmm. and and that's a great a great point. I hadn't thought of that till you brought up when we were watching it the last time, that his reaction is part and parcel of that. Because I knew it was coming, I was watching the background extras and as they would they're reacting because imagine if you're in a restaurant and a woman starts doing that they go through many of the same emotions that harry does except of course they don't know the premise or the the piece of information that the context that they're having this argument right like can you yeah can you imagine being in another yeah. table and this woman at just, first you're like oh is she is she okay is she choking? do i need to assist oh wait what oh dear what is she doing yeah. is he touching and then yeah. like that's what I would look yeah. at. Is he touching Where her under the table? Feet? Yeah. He's not touching her. Oh, no. he looks annoyed. I wonder why he's annoyed. I want to back <laughs> up to the whole premise of this where before you said that Rob was involved, so I apologize to Rob. <laughs> I was going to say that this shows that Harry is a despicable character because I don't actually think that the vast majority of gentlemen's first thought is when can I leave? There are obviously some that would be the case. They're just there for the act itself. But I do think that the vast majority of gentlemen, when they're in that situation with a lady, it's because they want to be with her. And maybe they're not intending to spend the night, but not like instantly, like, how 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 long do I have to lay here? By the same token, I think, well, all women and some gentlemen have faked orgasm. I don't think that's every woman every time. So maybe, you know, comedy is in the absurdity. You push it to extremes. But I am a little worried about Rob's interaction with ladies, given some of the plot points here with Harry. I wish we could take a poll because I I don't know either. I basically, as a young woman, was raised because, you know, this was late 80s. So I was raised that, yeah, gents were kind of cads and all they cared about was kind of getting some and getting on with their day. And I feel like. There was a line, I'm thinking of the film with Miles Teller. Two Night Stand. Two Night Stand. Yeah. I thought he, only it was her. Like, she's trying to get out. Yeah, trying to. And, I mean, it, it initially, that the whole premise of that interaction, it was simply sex. So. Right. And that, of course, happens with human beings. Right. They're, so, I would love to know. Like, I, right. I don't know. So, I, I think 
you know, broadly speaking, there there must be individuals, yeah. right? That a person you want to do what what does Harry call it? Humping and pumping <laughs> with with this person, but you don't have a connection, right? Right. And then there are people that you have. A, Actually, a deep I say connection. right. I, I'm I, I'm just saying. I'm thinking about happens, human beings. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, the way yeah. humans are. Biologically speaking, there, you know, there is an urge to procreate. So there's probably in, in human experience, individuals are like, wow, that person, like, I really want to do the thing. And then, oh gosh, we're not really friends. I'm just going to peace right out. And then there are people that you really care quite a bit about, but maybe aren't into in that kind of way. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking about almost like the Kinsey scale, human beings, there's a wide variety of interactions. There has to be a bunch of people who have had that interaction, the one night stand, right? Boy, this seemed like a great idea, but now that it's over, I don't know if I really want to hang out, right? Right. I get that. What what kind of just bothered me was, it seems like Rob is saying through Harry, that's that's how he views the world. And we can't overanalyze Rob's psyche with this film. It's a film, right? right? right, right. It's a character, yeah. but it just is kind of interesting. And then as I was going through that, okay, next time I get a chance to talk, I'm going to say this. You tell that story about Rob going around the office. And I was like, Oh Rob, this doesn't look good for I you. Know, I know. He admitted it. And he said it very, a, a lot of times. <laughs> and based on his friendship with Nora and Meg had very kind things to say. I think Rob is a sweet guy. He, I just, he seems to be. I think, you know, we all, he was way younger then. And he even acknowledges like, I couldn't do that today. I sh- I wouldn't right. do that today. <laughs> yeah. But you know, uh, I find this fascinating because we've seen this in society, right? Things have changed. It happened one night was considered very racy that they showed them in the same hotel room. But this this is a rom com that that talks about sex more than most romance do, mm-hmm. right? And and that was an interesting, I think, step forward in in kind of in film to 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 bring this topic into the forefront of the discussion. I think it's Vanity Fair that has a YouTube series where they take famous people, famous actors, and they go through a bunch of their characters and talk about hair, makeup, those kind of things. Yeah. Meg Ryan did one. And so she was, they were asking her about her hair. You know, there's three different eras that we meet her character, which is kind of funny because in Joe versus Volcano, she plays three different characters. She was talking about the feathered hair that she had. And I made a note of this, by the way, (laughs) I said it very much looked like Farrah Fawcett. So did I. Charlie's Angels. Meg said that she told hair and makeup, how she used to do her hair, how she would take the curling iron Uh and do like uh this barrel. uh And then just hit it with a ton of hairspray. And so that they did that to her hair. And they asked, was any of her looks in When Harry Met Sally a wig? And she said, no, they were all her hair. Yeah, I literally typed fair faucet hair on Sally. And then right after I typed, what's up with the lavender eyeshadow? Which maybe for late 70s was accurate. It was. I mean, blue, I feel like was more popular. But I do know, and it's funny because it's coming back. So in the 70s and early 80s, you matched your eyeshadow to your outfit. Right. And then in like, I would say the 90s and 2000s, it was like, no, you're supposed to match your eyeshadow to your skin tone. And you could put little like, like maybe a, a maybe pinky lavender you could maybe add or obviously like all of the skin tones, your ROK. Or, but now I see a lot of the ladies, especially celebrities, and and oftentimes it's an event, so an award show or different things, 
and they'll be wearing like a fuchsia colored top or dress and they will have like fuchsia eyeshadow or even I've seen green and then like green eyeshadow. Yeah. So it's coming back where you match your eyeshadow to your outfit. That's unfortunate. <laughs> what I've always said is if I ever got to be on television like an award show, I would pay the money to have a professional makeup artist do it because you do look fantastic when professional makeup artists are done with you. However, that's because they make you look, at least for film, like you're not wearing any makeup at all. And I think that the layperson should also target that look. I, I honestly, I remember in the 80s, the bright blue eyeshadow and the different colors. I don't think that's good. I think we can let that one go. We tried it. <laughs> it didn't work. Let's move on. But yes, that Farrah Fawcett hair um, again, I grew up watching Charlie's Angels, so to me, that's a good look. It's a hot look for you. Yeah. And then um, Harry Connick Jr. was not very well known when this movie came out. And I so, can't believe that it was him because at that time we didn't know his name. Yeah. And so I can't remember who it was. It may have been Mark Shaman who did the band or arranged the band and orchestra. He said to Rob, hey, you should really check out this new kid. He plays like... And now I'm forgetting who he said. And he sings like Frank Sinatra. You've got to hear him. All right. <laughs> so this kid's going to go somewhere. So Reiner broke his career. Yeah, let's say yeah. that. Speaking of costuming, in addition to, of course, the gorgeous shoulder pads of that era, I loved when Jess and, is moving in with Marie and Bruno Kirby, he's wearing jean shorts. And I, just like, again, it's of an era. To me, jean shorts are completely reasonable short your jorts yeah but then and i don't know if this was a look that meg ryan had herself but then there's a deep green velvet bridesmaids dress with braided pearls that she wears at one point and again this might be of an era people now might look at that and say oh that's hideous but oh my gosh for those of us who grew up in the 80s that was a gorgeous look <laughs> Was there any head trauma in When Harry Met Sally? I made note of no head trauma. Yeah, I don't remember any either. Not a lot of violence. Um, that means, according to, it's a good film. Because <laughs> yeah, no head trauma. <laughs> yeah. They're not relying on that. They're not relying on, you know, like... They relied on, on, on the wave on the and that diner scene for yeah. the comedy. Yeah. Uh, so we, we got some smoochies. Smoochie, smoochie, smoochie. Yeah, we, I, did, I did make note of, in particular, he pecks her on the lips... After she's upset about Joe's impending marriage. And then of course, there's some va-va-va-voom that presumably, hopefully, encountered some smoochies. Yep. How about a driving review? Okay. The movie kicks off with a... They do. A, a car is act a key item in, in Act 1. It's a yellow 76 Toyota Corona wagon. At the time, it would have been a relatively new car. I did the math, and it would have been about a one-year-old car... When they're shooting it, I don't know why it's missing a hubcap after only one year. All I can think is when they're about to shoot that wide, the hubcap fell off and they just shot it anyway. It's an economy car, but it was new. So, Rob, if they're noticing the hubcap, we've already <laughs> lost them. <laughs> well, it's going to get even better because they're at Washington Park. Whoever's driving turns right from a left turn lane. And I presume that it was done for the shot. And there maybe is no other person who've watched that film who noticed that, but I did notice they got over in the left turn lane and then they turned right across traffic. 
That can be very dangerous if you're doing that. You could actually accidentally hit somebody. Oh, or be hit. That was not good. So uh, that goes as a as a thumbs down. And I wouldn't be surprised if the the uh, done person driving the vehicle actually said, "Hey, Rob, this we shouldn't do this." And he's like, "If they notice we're turning right from the left turn lane, we've lost them." So we go to the numbers. Let's go to the numbers. Okay, this one's a fun one. So they probably, you know, Rob. Rob had a few movies under his belt. He had uh, Sam, uh, Stand By Me. He had just finished. So maybe they didn't know the numbers on that. They did know that Spinal Tap was tepid reception at first. I don't know if it had achieved its cult classic think by so. this time. Yeah. So they probably were just like, yeah, let's give Rob this little budget of $16 million and see what he does with it. Domestically, they made $92 million. Yeah. So he was probably the darling of Hollywood for, I mean, yeah. and then Stand By Me was a huge hit. As so we, as I've said before, the eighties was a great decade for Rob. Yes. Just, yes, it was. All yes. of his good films, not all of them, but a lot of really good films from his, his worker in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Adjusted for today. That's like a movie doing 245 million. So way to go. Yeah. I think this score is incredibly low, even for IMDb. They give it a 7.7 out of 10. Yeah, that is is low. This is easy to say it's an 8, and I think it could even be a 9. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a strong 8, at least. It, it like, checks all the boxes with the humor and uh, romance, and you've got star power. Star power. I mean... You know, the the technical aspect, very good. No problems there. Yeah, just... This is a good film. So critics liked it a lot. They gave it a 91%. But audiences were less than that, which shocked me. I would think in this case, audiences would like this more than critics. So would I. Because it's not like a sweeping, you know, yeah, it's not epic. An epic film. Right? And so you would think that, okay, if critics give it 91, audiences are going to be 93. Yeah. To, and plus, especially over time, I don't... I right. Would, what regular layperson doesn't like this movie? I, yeah, exactly. Everybody who you mentioned this movie loves yeah, it. Yeah. And yeah. it's the perfect length. An hour and 35 minutes. <sighs> Absolutely perfect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So in uh, in baseball, there's something, the Mendoza line, Mendoza something, where uh, about a batting average. And I wonder if this is the Moro line, that there's a boundary of the length of a movie. So, um, I wonder what he thinks of this movie. Yeah, we should ask. Yeah. Next time we see Dustin Morrow, we're going to ask him. All right. It is rated R and it is list- labeled as a comedy drama romance. And Meg and Billy won an American Comedy Awards for the funniest actors in a motion picture. And Nora won a BAFTA for best screenplay, which I think is very well deserved. Yes. And it must have been under another studio because I think it was shortly after this, but maybe it was before. I will do some homework and put this in the show notes that it says it's a Castle Rock. And I didn't know this, but Rob and a bunch of buddies started Castle Rock. So I'll find out when oh, wow. if it was. Okay. Yeah. Pre, I, I was curious about that. Pre or post. And I neglected at the beginning in my opening when I normally go through because I got caught up in Barry Sonnefeld. Um, we mentioned it, but I want to sh- give her a shout out to her other credits because Nora Ephron is just a gem, a one of a kind, a favorite. It was, I was so incredibly sad when she passed. She did 83 Silkwood, 86 is Heartburn, 93 Sleepless in Seattle, 98 You've Got Mail. And then in 2009, she did Julie and Julia. So she has quite the oeuvre as well. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. All right, that does it. Let's see what we're going to watch next week. 
The second week in March, we are going to be watching... Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Oh my gosh, you love Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Very funny film. And probably not as quoted as Princess Bride, but there's a couple lines in there we have definitely (laughs) brought into our family's lexicon. So uh, maybe we'll talk about that next week, but never forget... Dodges never stop, and neither do the movies. Thanks for listening to Dodge Movie Podcast with Christy and Mike Dodge of Dodge Media Productions. To find out more about this podcast and what we do, go to dodgemediaproductions.com. Subscribe, share, leave a comment, and tell us what we should watch next. Dodges never stop, and neither do the movies. 